Section 53 of the Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shreya Sethi. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11, by Anonymous, translated by Sir Francis Richard Burton. The Twenty-Seventh Night of the Month, Part 1 When evening came, the King Shah Bakht bade fetch the Wazir, so he presented himself before the King, and the King ordered him to tell the tale. So he said, Hearkening and obedience, give ear, O Sovran, to the tale of Salim, the youth of Khorasan, and Salma, his sister. No, O King, but Allah alone knoweth his secret purpose, and is worst in the past and the fordan among folk bygone, that there was once, in the parts of Khorasan, a man of its affluent, who was a merchant of the chiefest of the merchants, and was blessed with two children, a son and a daughter. He was diligent exceedingly in rearing them, and they were educated with the fairest of education, for he used to teach the boy who taught his sister all that he learnt, so that, by means of her brother, the damsel became perfect in the knowledge of the traditions of the Prophet and in polite letters. Now the boy's name was Salim, and that of the girl was Salma. When they grew up and were fully grown, their father built them a mansion beside his own, and lodged them apart therein, and appointed them slave girls and servants to tend to them, and assigned to each of them pay and allowances, and all that they needed of high and low, meat and bread, wine, dresses and vessels, and what not else. So Salim and Salma abode in that palace, as they were one soul in two bodies, and they used to sleep on one couch and rise a morn with single purpose, while firmly fixed in each one's heart were fond affection and familiar friendship for the other. One night, when the half was spent, as Salim and Salma sat recounting and conversing, they heard a noise on the ground floor. So they looked out from a latticed casement, which gave upon the gate of their father's mansion, and saw a man of fine presence, whose clothes were hidden under a wide cloak. He came straight up to the gate, and laying hold of the door ring, wrapped a light wrap, whereupon the door opened, and behold, out came their sister, with a lighted taper, and after her their mother, who saluted the stranger and embraced him, saying, O dearling of my heart and light of mine eyes, and fruit of my vitals, enter. So he went in and shut the door, whilst Salim and Salma abode amazed. The youth turned to the girl and said to her, O sister mine, how deemest thou of this trouble, and what advice hast thou to offer? She replied, O my brother, indeed I know not what I shall say, and end the like of this. But he is not disappointed who divine direction seeketh, nor doth he repent who counsel taketh. One getteth not the better of the traces of burning by haste, and know that this is an affliction that hath descended on us, and a calamity foreordained to us. So we have need of wise reed to do it away and contrivance which shall wash our shame from our faces. 
and they ceased not watching the gate till daybreak when the young man opened the door and their mother farewelled him after which he went his way and she entered she and her handmaid harit said selim to his sister know thou i am resolved to slay this man and he return the next night and i will say to the folk he was a robber and none shall weet that which hath befallen then i will address myself to the slaughter of whosoever knoweth what is between the fellow and my mother but salma said i fear lest an thou slay him in our dwelling place and he be not convicted of robberhood suspicion and ill fame will revert upon ourselves and we cannot be assured that he belongeth not to a tribe whose mischief is to be feared and whose enmity is to be dreaded and thus wilt thou have fled from hidden shame to open shame and to disgrace public and abiding asked salim what then is it thy read to do and she answered is there no help but thou kill him let us not hasten unto slaughter for that the slaughter of a soul without just cause is a mighty grave matter when shahaban heard this he said within himself by allah i have indeed been hasty and reckless in the slaying of women and girls and allah mudillah lauded be the lord who hath occupied me with this damsel from the slaughter of souls for that the slaughter of souls is a grave matter and a grievous by the almighty if shahbakht spare the wazir i will assuredly spare shahrazad then he gave ear to the story and heard her say to her sister quoth salma to salim hasten not to slay him but overthink the matter and consider the issue whereto it may tend for whoso considereth not of actions the end hath not fortune to friend when they arose on the morrow and busied themselves with contriving how they should turn away their parent from that man and the mother forfelt mischief from them for what she saw in the rise of change she being wily and keen of wit so she took precaution for herself against her children and salma said to salim thou seest what we have fallen upon through this woman and very sooth she hath sensed our purpose and what it's that we have discovered her secret so doubtless she will plot against us the like of that which we plot for her for indeed up to now she had concealed her affair and from this time forth she will become harsh to us wherefore methinks there is a thing for written to us whereof allah extolled and exalted be he knew in his foreknowledge and wherein he carrieth out his commandments he asked what is that and she answered it is that we arise i and thou and go forth this night from this land and seek out a town wherein we may warn and witness not of the doings of yonder traitress for whoso is absent from the eye is absent from the heart and quoth one of the poets in the following couplet tis happiest best for thee the place to leave for then no eye can see nor heart can grieve quoth salim to her tis for thee to decide and write as thy read so let us do this in the name of allah the almighty trusting in him for guiding and grace accordingly they arose and took the richest of their raiment and the lightest of that which was in their treasuries of gems and things of price 
and gathered together much matter. Then they equipped ten mules and hired them servants of other than the people of the country, and Salim bade his sister Salma don Nan's dress. Now she was the likest of all creatures to him, so that when she was clad in man's clothing, the folk knew no difference between them. Extolled be the perfection of him, who hath no like, there is no god but he. Then he told her to mount a mare, whilst he himself took another, and they set out under cover of the night. Nor did any of their family or household know of them. So they fared on into Allah's wide world, and gave not over going night and day for a space of two months, at the end of which they came to a city on the seashore of the land of Makran, by name Al-Shar, and it is the first city in Sindh. They lighted down within sight of the place, and when they arose in the morning, they saw a populous city, and a goodly, seemly of semblance and great abounding in trees, and rills and fruits and wide of suburbs, which stretched to the neighbouring villages. So the young man said to his sister Salma, Tarry thou here in thy place, till I enter the city and make proof of it, and its people, and seek us out a stead, which we may buy, and whereto we may remove, and it befit us, we will make us a home therein. Otherwise, will we take counsel of departing elsewhere? Quoth she, do this, trusting in the bounty of Allah, to whom belong honour and glory, and in his blessing. Accordingly, he took a belt, wherein were a thousand gold pieces, and girdling it about his waist, entered the city, and ceased not going round about its streets and bazaars, and gazing upon its houses and sitting with those of its citizens, whose aspect showed signs of worth and wealth, till the day was half spent when he resolved to return to his sister, and said to himself, Needs must I buy what we may eat of ready-cooked food, I and my sister. Hereupon he addressed a man who sold roast meat, and who was clean of person, al foul in his way of getting a living, and said to him, Take the price of this dish full, and add thereto of fowls and chickens and what not else is in your market of meats, and sweet meats and bread, and arrange it in the plates. So the kitchener took the money, and set apart for him what he desired. Then calling a porter, he laid it in the man's crate, and Salim, after paying the price of provisions and porterage, in fullest fashion, was about to go away, when the cook said to him, O youth, doubtless thou art a stranger. He replied, Yes, and the other rejoined, Tis reported in one of the traditions that the apostle said, Loyal admonition is a part of religion, and the wise and where have declared counsel is of the characteristics of true believers. And verily, that which I have seen of thy ways pleaseth me, and I would fain give thee a warning. Rejoined Salim, Speak out thy warning, and may Allah strengthen thy purpose. Then said the cook, No, O my son, that in this our city, when a stranger entereth and eateth of flesh meat and drinketh not old wine upon it, tis harmful to him and disturbeth his body with disorders which may be dangerous. Wherefore, and thou have provided thee somewhat of wine, it is well. But if not, haste to procure it, ere thou take the meat and carry it away. Quoth Salim, Allah requite thee with weal. Canst thou show me where liquor is sold? And quoth the cook, 
with me is all thou seekest the youth asked is there a way for me to see it and the cook sprang up and answered pass on so he entered and the man showed him somewhat of wine but he said i desire better than this whereupon he opened a door and entering said to salim come in and follow me accordingly salim followed him till he brought him to an underground chamber and showed him somewhat of wine that suited him so he occupied with him looking at it and taking him unawares sprang upon him from behind and threw him to the ground and sat upon his breast then he drew a knife and set it to his jugular whereupon there betided salim that wherewith allah made him forget all that he had decreed to him and cried to the cook why dost thou this thing o good fellow be mindful of the almighty and fear him seest thou not i am a stranger man and knowest thou not i have behind me a forlorn defenceless woman wherefore wilt thou kill me quoth the kitchener needs must i kill thee so i may take thy money and quoth salim take my money but kill me not neither enter into sin against me and do with me kindness for indeed the taking of my coin is more venial than the taking of my life the cook replied this is nonsense thou canst not deliver thyself herewith o youth because in thy deliverance is my destruction cried salim i swear to thee and give thee the bond of allah to whom belong honour and glory and his covenant which he took of his prophets that i will not discover thy secret no never but the kitchener replied away away alas alas to this there is no path however salim ceased not to conjure him and humble himself to him and weep while the cook persisted in his intent to cut his throat then he shed tears and recited these couplets haste not to that thou dost desire for haste is still unblessed be merciful to men as thou on mercy reckonest for no hand is there but the hand of god is over it and no oppressor but shall be with worse than he oppressed quoth the kitchener there is no help save that i slay thee o fellow for an i spare thee i shall myself be slain but salim said o my brother i will advise thee somewhat other than this asked the cook what is it say it and be brief ere i cut thy throat and salim answered suffer me to live and keep me as thy mameluke thy white slave and i will work at a craft of the skilled workmen wherefrom there shall result to thee every day two dinars quoth the kitchener what is the craft and quoth salim the cutting of gems and jewels when the man heard this he said to himself twill do me no hurt if i imprison him and fetter him and bring him that whereat he may work and he tell truth i will let him live and if he prove a liar i will kill him so he took a pair of stout shackles and fitting them on salim's legs jailed him within his house and charged a man to guard him then he asked him what tools he needed for work and salim described to him what so he required and the cook went out from him a while and brought him all he wanted then salim sat down and brought at his craft and he used every day to earn two dinars and this was his wont and custom with the kitchener who fed him not but half his fill thus befell it with salim but returning to his sister salma she awaited him till the last of the day yet he appeared not 
and she expected him a second day and a third and a fourth yet there came no news of him so she wept and beat hand on breast and bethought her of her affair and her strangerhood and the disappearance of her brother and she improvised these couplets salam to you would i could see you again to the joy of my heart and the coolth of my eyes you are not but my hope and the whole of my hope and under my ribs love for you buried lies she tarried on this wise awaiting him till the end of the month but no tidings of him came nor happened she upon aught of his trace wherefore she was troubled with exceeding trouble and sending her servants hither and thither in search of him abode in the sorest that might be of chagrin and concern when it was the beginning of the new month she arose in the morning and bidding one of her men cry her brother throughout the city sat to receive visits of condolence nor was there any in town but made act of presence to condole with her and they were all sorry for her doubting not her being a man when three nights had passed over her with their days of the second month she despaired of him and her tears never dried then she resolved to take up her abode in that city and making choice of a dwelling removed thither the folk resorted to her from all parts to sit with her and hear her speech and witness her fine breeding nor was it but a little while ere the king died and the folk differed in end whom they should invest with the kingship after him so that civil war was like to befall them however the men of the judgment and the folk of understanding and the people of experience directed them to crown the youth who had lost his brother for that they still held salma to be a man they consented to this one and all and betaking themselves to her offered the kingship she refused but they were urgent with her till she consented saying within herself my sole desire in the kingship is to find my brother then they seated her upon the throne of the realm and set the crown upon her head after which she undertook the business of governance and ordinance of affairs and they rejoiced in her with the utmost joy on such wise fared it with her but as for salim he abode with the cook a whole year's space bringing him two dinars a day and when his affair waxed longsome the man felt for him and pitied him presently he promised him release on condition that if he let him go he should not discover his ill deeds to the sultan for that it was his wont now and then to entrap a man and carry him to his house and slay him and take his money and cook his flesh and give it to the folk to eat so he asked him o youth wilt thou that i release thee from this thy misery on condition that thou be reasonable and never discover aught of thine affair salim answered i will swear to thee by whatsoever oath thou wilt administer that i will keep thy secret and will not speak one syllable anent thee what while i am in the land of the living quoth the kitchener i purpose to send thee forth with my brother and cause thee voyage with him over the sea on condition that thou be to him a marmaduke a bottom slave and when he cometh to the land of hind he shall sell thee and thus wilt thou be delivered from prison and slaughter and quoth salim tis well be it as thou sayest may allah the most high requite thee with weal accordingly the cook equipped his brother and freighting him a craft stowed therein a cargo of merchandise then he committed salim to him and they set out with the ship the lord decreed them safety so that they arrived at the first city of hind 
which is known as Al-Mansura, and cast anchor there. Now the king of that city had died, leaving a daughter and a widow, who, being the quickest witted of women and cleverest of the folk of her day, gave out that the girl was a boy, so that the kingship might be established unto them. The troops and the emirs gave credit that the case was as she avouched, and that the princess was a prince, wherefore they obeyed her bidding, and the queen mother took order for the matter, and used to dress the girl in man's habit, and seat her on the throne of the kingship, so that the lords of the land and the chief officers of the realm used to go into her, and salute her, and do her service and depart, nothing doubting but she was a boy. After this fashion they fared for months and years, and the queen mother ceased not to do thus, till the cook's brother came to the town in his ship, and with him Salim. He landed with the youth and displayed him for sale to the queen, who, when she saw him, prognosticated well of him. Presently she bought him, and was kind to him, and entreated him with honour. Then began she to prove him in his moral parts, and make essay of him in his affairs, and she found in him all that is, in kings' sons of understanding and fine breeding, and good manners and qualities. Thereupon she sent for him in private, and said to him, I am minded to do thee a service, so thou canst keep a secret. He promised her all that she desired, and she discovered to him her mystery in the matter of her daughter, saying, I will marry thee to her, and commit to thee the governance, and constitute thee king and ruler over this city. He thanked her, and promised to carry out all she should order him, and she said to him, Go forth to such an one of the neighbouring provinces privily. So he went forth, and on the morrow she made ready loads and gear and gifts, and bestowed on him abundant substance, all of which they loaded on the backs of baggage camels. Then she gave out among the folk that the nephew of the king, the son of his brother, was come and bade the grandees and troops go forth to meet him in a body. She also decorated the city in his honour, and the kettle drums of good tidings beat for him, whilst all the king's household went out and dismounting before him, escorted him into and lodged him with the queen mother in the palace. Then she bade the headmen of the state attend his assembly, so they obeyed and witnessed of his breeding and good parts, that which amazed them, and made them forget the breeding of the kings who had preceded him. When they were grown to like him, the queen mother began sending privily for the emirs and councils one by one, and swearing them to conceal her project, and when she was assured of their discretion, she discovered to them that the king had left not save a daughter, and that she had done this only that she might continue the kingship in his family, and that the rule should not go forth from them after which she informed them that she was minded to marry her daughter with her nephew, the newcomer, and that he should be the holder of the kingship. They approved her proposal, and when she had discovered the secret to the last of them, and assured herself of their aid, she published the news abroad and threw off all concealment. Then she sent for the Qazis and assessors, who drew up the contract of marriage between Salim and the princess, and they lavished gifts upon the soldiery, and overwhelmed them with largesse. The bride was incontinently carried in procession to the young man, and the kingship was established to him. They tarried after this fashion a whole year, when Salim said to the queen mother, Know that my life is not pleasing to me, 
nor can I abide with you in consent till I get me tidings of my sister and learn how her affair hath ended and how she hath fared after me. So I will go forth and be absent from you a year's space. Then will I return to you, inshallah, and it please God the Most High, and I win of this that which I hope. Quoth she, I will not trust to thy word, but will go with thee and help thee to whatso thou wishest and further thee myself therein. Then she took a ship and loaded it with all manner things of price, goods and monies and the like. Furthermore, she appointed one of the viziers, a man in whom she trusted for his conduct and contrivance to rule the realm, saying to him, Abide in governance a full year and ordain all thou needest. Presently, the queen mother and her daughter and son-in-law Salim went down to the ship and sailed on till they made the land of Makran. Their arrival there befell at the last of the day, so they nighted in their ship, and when the morn was near to dawn, the young king landed, that he might go to the hammam, and walked marketwards. As he drew near the baths, the cook met him on the way and knew him, so he seized him and pinioning him straightly carried him to his house, where he clapped the old fetters to his feet and cast him back into the former place of durance while salim finding himself in that sorry condition and considering that wherewith he was afflicted with tribulation and the reverses of his fair fortune in that he had been a king and was now returned to fetters and prison and hunger wept and groaned and lamented and improvised these couplets my god no patience now can aid afford straight is my breast O thou of lords the lord my god who in resource you like thine hath force and thou the subtle dost my case record end of section 53 recording by shreya sethi